May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable to thee, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. A pastor once said, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. I'm not sure the world knows that. There is some evidence that might back up that claim. The Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, now the Dexter Avenue King Memorial Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, is the local church from which the Montgomery bus boycott began when Dr. King was its pastor. And it's that boycott which led to the modern civil rights movement. There is some evidence there to support that claim about the local church, but not enough. What do we know of Jesus' ministry and his local synagogue? This passage takes place right as Jesus returns from his 40 days in the wilderness at the very start of his ministry. A ministry he begins not with pronouncements on a mountainside, but by teaching in the synagogues around Galilee, where he's from, in the local congregations. Today we find him in his hometown, Nazareth. He will be offering the teaching this day, and he has handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and reads words that would have been familiar and likely loved by everyone there. I expect that some in the congregation nodded along as he read, hearing God's great promises to release the captives, restore sight to the blind, bring good news to the poor, and let the oppressed go free. I mean, honestly, what's not to like? But he ends not, as would be expected, with subversion of the word of the Lord, or here ends the reading, but by announcing today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I would love to go on and into what happens after this, but that's actually next week's gospel, and next week's preacher will get into that. Though do feel free to take an advanced look. The short version is it doesn't go well. But whatever Jesus means with his conclusion about his own call and witness, he is at the very least saying to everyone there, these are not just words on a scroll, words to be read, but the declaration of God's intention and our call. Do we believe that? The Times, at least I'm pretty sure it was the New York Times, noted this week that if Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr. were still alive, they would both be 93 years old. 93. Old to be sure, but we have a couple dozen of our own members in their 90s. Anne and Martin, which is how they'd be known to their fellow congregants if they were still alive, would be grandparents and great-grandparents, not historical figures known by their full names. It's their death, each of their deaths, that have put them in that category. And what killed them both was racial and religious hatred. 
neither of which has gone away. Anti-Semitism is alive and well. Nearly 60% of all religiously motivated hate crimes in this country target Jews, which is kind of astonishing given that Jews make up less than 2% of the American population. But anti-Semitism lives on, most recently witnessed in Colleyville, Texas. And if much has changed since the Montgomery bus boycott, and much has, mass incarceration and the disparity between the proportion of unarmed black men who are killed in police stops and the proportion of unarmed white men killed in police stops make it quite clear that racism continues to flourish. Which leads me back to Jesus and the snippet of the text as the passage begins. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He was, to quote one of our own members, a church-going guy albeit it was the synagogue in his case. Now, when people are baptized, their parents, godparents, and if old enough, the person being baptized, are asked, will you continue in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers, which by, which by describing what we do in church is really asking, will you go to church? It is meant to be our custom. And right now, because you are here, whether online or here in the sanctuary, I am preaching to those of you who seek to fulfill that promise, and I thank you. But what this passage tells us, what this story about Jesus in the synagogue reveals is that we can go to church or to synagogue, we can hear the words and nod in agreement, we can even in the church receive the sacrament and leave comforted, which is a very good thing, but unchallenged and unchanged, which is not a good thing at all. When Jesus says that today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, he is talking about himself, but he is also talking about us and talking to us all of us who sit in the synagogues or the local church. And what he is reading is only comforting if we don't take it very seriously. Because Isaiah and Jesus are not talking about ameliorating the world's suffering. They are not talking about loosening or adjusting the yoke of oppression so it's a little more comfortable. They are not talking about making imprisonment, captivity, more tolerable. They are talking about releasing people from captivity. They are talking about lifting the yoke of the people's suffering. They are not talking about healing the few who are literally blind, though Jesus will do that too, but calling all people all of us, to actually see the world as it is, not just in our own neighborhood, but in all neighborhoods. And to see, 
as Jesus' ministry will make clear, the ways in which our blindness to the pain of others, whether willful or entirely unintentional, adds to suffering. Good news to the poor should certainly include the provision of food and clothing. But the good news is meant to be poverty's eradication. Good news to the poor means waking up in your own bed, in your own home, knowing that you have food and work and clothing, and demands that those of us who have all those things look at what we can do to make that possible for all people and what we may need to do differently or change for that to happen. The response to Jesus in next week's gospel makes it clear that the people listening knew that he wasn't just reading a sacred text, but that he meant it, and that acting on what we hear and believe has consequences for us and for the world. As Christians, we know that the negative reaction to Jesus at the start of his ministry would blossom into murderous hatred at its end. That is no accident. Martin Luther King said wonderful things that he believed in God's good news for all people and it got him murdered. Anne Frank was wonderfully hidden by Christians. It, would, it was also others who called themselves Christians who murdered. Coming to church, as is our custom, should offer us both hope and comfort. It should also gird us for the fight against the principalities and powers that still seek their own will rather than God's. Coming to church should comfort us and give us hope and challenge us to look at our own lives and our own choices. Coming to church should be an act of radical obedience to God and one in which as we continue in the apostles' teaching, as we pray and are fed by Christ himself in the Eucharist, we receive what we need to take our faith into the world. Let it be our custom to keep coming to church and then take our faith and God's promise into the world to do the work with Jesus to change this world. Amen.